Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good, Dale. How are you doing? Good, thanks. So we're on Facebook two nights ago. Yeah. You're on the East Coast. Yep. I'm here in California. Three hour difference. Three hour difference. And uh, we've been talking about doing a podcast for a long time. Yeah, I think going back to like 2013. Right. Uh, about, and then I took uh, an eight year break for my divorce and so on. So here we are. Yeah, yeah, and literally within two days, three days. Yep. You've flown out here. Yep. Same night, I told you, do you think you could do some Hall of Fame number plates or anything? Just yep. kind of, I was winging it to three, you. Three hours later, they were done. They were in my, in my backpack and ready to go on the plane. That was it. By the time I woke up the next morning, they're all they're all looking good in a nice picture. You're on the plane and uh, here you are in California two, right. two days later. That's so right. I appreciate you coming out. Um, lots of history. You know, I first saw Crit Plate, obviously, when I picked up the American magazines. You know, they just stood out. And um, I guess, yeah, how did it all start? What year was it? It, it started um, end of 79. Um, I bought my first BMX bike, got it for Christmas. It was a Rally Rampart R10. So all you Brits out there. Yeah, yeah, we know so, Rally. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the big two-point whatever heavy gauge motorcycle spokes and black leather seat and, you know, and I, I got tough wheel ones for it and, you know, blue anodized stuff mm -hmm. and, and some red line bars. And, um, and for Christmas, I asked for a Haro factory plate and I got it. And when I, by the time I was all done getting it all set up, you know, and, um, and, 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 and exacto, exacto the, uh, the, the lightning bolts out and pulled them up and put the numbers down and then went to put it on my handlebars. It wouldn't fit. I had to, I had to mutilate the plate to make it fit my handlebars and I was pissed. <laughs> so I broke out some graph paper and the shape that still holds true today is what I designed in the winter, like, like January of 1980. So he's inspired straight yeah. away. Yeah, right from the get-go. I was doing my own thing. And, um, and I wanted to design a number plate that fit on every handlebar. There was no crossbar handle thing. It, it was across the crossbar, it fit. Um, and then a year later, um, in 81, um, when I started getting into racing more and, and sanctioning bodies, I was local sanctioned called NEBA, New England Bicycle Association, and then racing ABA on a Saturday and Sunday. Um, I designed the reversibility of the crib plate and came up with the Velcro with the nuts and bolts. To this way, the Velcro stays on the handlebars. Mm -hmm. You just undo the nut, the, the bolt, the, the nut, I remember. and then yeah. flip the plate around. And you had two sanctions, one plate, and um, and, and it took off like like crazy. I mean, it really helps. You know, we'll, we'll speed up. We'll we'll go back. But I used crit plates when we did the MCS European team with Garrett Dose. We had uh, we had crit plates, and then like you say, the yeah. switch thing. That was when yeah. you know BMX was small at the time, or definitely smaller in Europe. So to to be able to yeah use it both ways was a big deal for for and us. You in had, and you had the newer injection molded plates then, so I had the interchangeable stickers, so you can put make different colors, and mm -hmm. you know, it was like an infinity of color. Oh yeah, you're you know? ahead of the game. Yeah, that was fun. So let's go back to where we was. So like yeah. eighty so, early eighties. So, so nineteen eighty, um, spring of nineteen eighty, when I had the first. My, it was me and my four neighborhood BMX buddies that got into BMX. And um, the first day of racing, our day of racing, was the first day of the legendary Rhode Island track Rocky Hill BMX. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was also the brand new first day of this new sanctioned and body, NEBA. And, they, and their point system was similar to how, how ABA used to do it, um, where the, your, your overall ranking was whatever your points were at the end of the year. So if there was 5,000 riders 
and you just raced whatever in your points and you got like top 10, mm -hmm. you were number 10 out of 5,000 riders. That was your year end number. So you could be riding a number 1,235 on your plate or, or a single digit. Depends on how many points and how good you were. Um, and I ended up getting the last year of that sanction was 1982, and I got 13 overall out of about 4,000 riders. So that's that was, pretty good. That was that was that was, that was really cool. That's when mm. I finally really was really in tune to racing and so on. But Crip Plate was just starting to take hold as a business, and I got more of a jive in business competing in the number plate business than racing. How old so, was you then when you started? Uh, I started Crip Plate when I was 15. 15. I designed it when I was 14 and I started racing, you know, racing when I was 15 years old. Wow, really yeah. early to, to yeah. be thinking about that no, and I grew, business. Well, I'll go back to when I was five years old. Mm. Um, my family, my mom and dad had a carnival business, a carnival stand. So the local fair and, and carnivals on the weekends, you know, neighborhood, you know, the, 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 the Ferris wheels and merry-go-rounds yeah, and yeah. all the different games and so on. We had a game, it was a goldfish game, where it was a table, four-sided table with pyramid, um, where it had glass bowls with water with a goldfish inside. Yeah, yeah. And you throw a ping pong ball and you're bouncing around and if you've got the ping pong ball in the bowl, you, you want a free goldfish. Right. So I was at five years old with a little coin apron, mm -hmm. you know, a little entrepreneur. It was me, it was my older brother, it was my dad and my grandfather. So three generations of, of, of carnival guys, mm -hmm. you know, learn the trade and I learned how to hawk people in, you know, hey, six balls for a quarter, hey, right. you know, and, and, and learn the gift of the gab of, of not being afraid to present and, and sell something mm -hmm. and, to, and to get the attention. So I, my family, I guess, instilled the entrepreneurship in me. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been that creative guy at school, you know, I went to Roman Catholic grade school and that was terrible. Um, <laughs> I had ADHD, they didn't know what that was, you're just you're a slow learner and you, you couldn't sit still, right. but I was like light years ahead and I just, you know, whatever. And, um, but so the art stuff was cool. Like I always want to draw something and do something and all that there. So that's where all that came. And so it was, it was my natural thing. I just picked up, just picked up where I wanted to, grabbed some paper, traced out what I wanted and there we go. Was you studying like art in school? Yeah, no, I loved art in school, yeah. So that kind of helped you? Yeah, definitely. And like straight off the back, you were telling me earlier, you was doing the designs and stuff back yeah. then. And yep. It's pretty much now. Was your parents helping you a little bit in the background with the money situation so, and stuff? So yeah, so it was. Crip Plate was always a home business. Crip Plate was never in a separate building. It was down in the basement or on the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a couple of pictures out there of me sitting at a, my our, our family kitchen table with a stack of number plates and stuff on there and dealing and wheeling and you know with money and all that. And um, I still have that table oh, wow. in my living room now, and we still make plates off that table. You know, since 1981, 82. That's so cool. Which is awesome. How did you come up with the name? Um, first, it was Rad Plates. My first ever plate, I had a little stencil. I, I screen printed Rad Plates on there. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a local bike shop, Northeast BMX Supply in Rhode Island. And the, uh, the, the, the owner was Harry Van Leuven. His son was a top expert back then. Um, and he had a really cool shop. It was packed with everything, flight cranks, and you name it, his shop had everything. Mm -hmm. And so he started carrying, he was my first dealer the bike shop to carry my number plates in 1980. Wow. And, um, and he says, you know, Mike, you know, you have Johar manufacturing that makes the rad pads. When you stop picking, if you pick up steam, they're probably going to have an issue with you calling your plates, you know, rad plates. Mm -hmm. um, I, my second bike after the Raleigh was a Scott Clock Robinson with a European bottom bracket, uh, complete bike. Mm -hmm. So Scott Clock and Bobby Woods was my early heroes. Yeah. And, um, 
Vans Tennis Shoes did a full-page ad in 1980 in the magazines of Scott Clock and Bobby Woods clicking their wheels. Mm -hmm. And it said, getting crit. Oh, okay. And that's where crit plate came from. Wow. You know, they, they tried to coin crit, like critical, like rad, like radical. Yes. Crit never took off as a slang word, mm -hmm. but it took off as my number plate name. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. crit now is will always be from 1980 on associated with crit number plates and that criterium stupid road bike thing. You know? Did you have a sponsor any of those two guys? Um, uh, no, I have not. Never had the opportunity to do so. Right. You know, with, with um, Bobby was you know between I think Mongoose and like in the in the 83, 84. Mm -hmm. Um, and Scott was on Murray, mm -hmm. but close to it because you know, I think in 85, I picked up Brad Birdwell, um, Rusty, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Rusty, Cable. Rusty Cable. Yeah. Um, and a few of the, you know, the pros know, but mm -hmm. the, some of the amateurs I did. Mm -hmm. And then that team folded and Todd Corbett took over with Shelby James and oh, all yeah. that there. And I, and I, sponsored, and I sponsored the little guys with Crit. I raced, uh, Brad Birdwell came out and TC did it as well. And, and uh, I think Shelby James was on profile in 96, the world's in. Yes. Um, which were in Slough, but yeah, them guys were all. I've got pictures because I raced Brad on uh, on Cruiser, and yeah, I've got quite a few pictures, and he's obviously got crit. And that's where the neon yeah. neon green crit yes. plates came from. Yes, and then the neon orange was Whitman's Bike Shop mm -hmm. in Ohio. That mm -hmm. massive team uh, with a big number one on their logo. And, yes, you know, I didn't Todd Lyons ride for him? Todd Lyons yeah. for them. There were so many good riders yeah. on that road for Whitman's Bike Shop and and all that there. But, um, so tell us about when you started to pick up some steam then. Obviously, even like by the mid-80s, you were yeah, all in the magazines so, and so stuff. So going back to the ADHD thing, I went to Roman Catholic High School. And by that time, I already started Crip that summer. I was already in business. I had a bike shop on my, on my, on my parents' house, a big station wagon. I go to the local races and, and, and vend bike parts and so on. It was good, really good. So I knew what I wanted in life. I knew I wanted to um, maybe have a bike shop, but definitely be an entrepreneur with crit number plates. And um, so I walked out of school at, um, in ninth grade. For my first year of high school, I did one one year of that and was like, nah. Mm -hmm. And um, I asked my dad, my parents, and I said, I want to I want to leave school. My dad goes, I get it. You're struggling. They, they, you know, they don't understand what this ADHD thing is. You just newly just diagnosed. Um, you're not happy, but you, you, you seem to have a stride in what you're doing with your business. You've been already successful this, this last year and so, and you're, you have a good head in you, you know, whatever. So um, he goes, you promised me two things. Now you go back in a short time and get your GED, which is your, your equivalency diploma for mm -hmm. high school. So at least you have your diploma from high school. And in the meantime, you're going to go work for a company or companies in the plastics industry so you can learn the manufacturing part of your business that you want to operate um, and learn about, you know, assembly and, and taking, you, know, you know, you want to learn how to be humble and take direction doing this stuff. And, and in return, when you have your own business, you're going to be, you can do the same thing. So I, my dad was a plant manager for a corrugated box company um, in Rhode Island. And back in the early eighties, Rhode Island was the costume capital, jewelry capital of the world. Everybody all over the world came to Rhode Island to have their costume jewelry manufactured and produced. So a lot of his customers were jewelry display companies making the displays for the jewelry, you know, the, the showcases and all the stuff. Mm -hmm. So I went to go work for some of the premier manufacturers 
working in plastic. So I learned how to weld, bend, you know, cut, assemble, and I learned all these processes that were paying me in the daytime, and at nighttime, I'd be making crib plates with my newly learned skills. Getting paid twice. And um, Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? And then, and then I got to the point where, you know, I pick up my first distributor, um, and then, you know, I don't have to work for them anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it just kept on growing more and more. But by the time, it really brought it to steam, where it really picked up steam, was 1983. My first state plate after the sanctioned and body NEBA went belly up. The NBL took over all the tracks in the region. Was that 83 when NBL? 83, yeah. 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 And, and Rhode, at least for New England, Rhode Island, Mass, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And um, when end of the year awards, I received a state Rhode Island state plate. It was an MCS hot plate. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. How can they not use it a crib plate? Right. And I made it my business at the end of 83 to contact every MBL state commissioner across the country and hawk a crypt plate for their state plates. Mm -hmm. and, I and I received over 75% of the states and MBL states, their state end of year contracts. And in, in 83 and 84 and 85, it was 20, 40 deep by, you know, for each age group. Wow. It was so big. The money was almost instant. Um, and that's what helped Crib Plate grow and develop new product and so on. So you put the money obviously straight yeah, back into the business. back into business again. Yeah. And again, was your parents advising yeah. you or? Yeah, yeah they were. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they, they, the only struggle I had right to the end, you know, to, to, you know, until later on is that being in New England in the, on the East Coast, BMX was a fad. Just like skateboarding. It wasn't a serious, no one took it serious from the bankers mm -hmm. to private investors to parents, mm -hmm. it was like little kids playing with bikes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, mom, I just picked up a new distributor. They're selling 2,000 number plates a month, you know? And they're like, but what are you gonna get serious about whatever? It took my mom and, and the, the amount of help my parents gave me was, you know, I wouldn't be here without all of that and that support and allow me to do that mm -hmm. and take those chances in life. But it took, in, um, in 2017, I had an art gallery opening called 37 years defined by a single shape, the crit plate shape. Wow. And it was a wall of number plates spanning, custom number plates spanning 28 countries, 37 years, little custom graphics. At the time I was making, up to that time I was making the race jerseys. So I had, you know, 12, 14 countries of, of special designs, you know, Australian militia. Do you have all this stuff still? Yeah, I still have all this. I have wow, all, yeah. you got your own museum. Yeah, I do, I do have my own museum. And um, so I had a, a wall of race jerseys and mannequins and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and nobody really knows except through social media, Crip Plate is the only BMX product that's been blasted in space and floated on the International <laughs> Space Station. And, I, and there's a certificate that shows from the International Space, the space Station that Crip Plate has flown two back-to-back -to -back tours of the International Space Station. Um, and that happened back like in 2017 or 16. Um, somewhere around there. But How did it happen? Well, so that happens. There was a, um, uh, in 2000, no, it happened in 2000, uh, I'm going to say 13, 14 it happened. But there was a, a little Rhode Island rider, um, rider, um, um, his, little, his name was Ryder. Mm. And um, his dad was a, a U.S. Navy commander. And he was in Newport, Rhode Island, going through office of school or doing some specialty school. And, and there was a brand new track opening up in Rhode Island. He was, they were part of that. They were, they were a bike family. He was only a little gay, little, little, little guy. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And so I sponsored Ryder through his early career, 2010, 2011, 2012. And then one day his dad goes, this is on the lowdown, but uh, my roommate in college is a U.S. astronaut. And he's going to this, you know, he's going to Russia and they're leaving from there, flying out of there on a Russian, you know, you know, rocket. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but on, on a, um, on a, on a, on a dragon supply ship, they're going to they're taking stuff that like personal stuff. Mm-hmm. And he wants, and do, 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 does, um, so my buddy, Ted Essenfeld, does any of the, do any of the boys want, um, Reed was the astronaut to take anything of theirs into space. And they gave him this, the crypt plate it made for the boys. Wow. So he had it, and I, I have it all documented from all the, all, the, the, all the news and the space center and so on. I have all the pictures oh, from, cool. from the astronauts in the mission over in Russia, mm-hmm. the, the, their rocket blasting off, all the, the, the official photographs. I have the, the, the picture of the Russian Dragon supply ship <laughs> blasting off. I have the LEM where the, with the site of them landing, and then a, a picture of the crypt plate floating in the window on this, and, and this earth in the background. Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah. so crypt plate is the fastest, <laughs> is, is the fastest BMX number plate in the world, right. and has jumped the highest in the world, yes, and has did the the the, the best splashdown water jump in the world. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So that is the coolest thing, you know. What um, when did you really like start to pick up steam? Like like eighty four. Eighty four. Because BMX was was that when it was really booming. Yeah, it was booming Just big booming. time. Yeah. Um and 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 by the time it got to eighty five, I that's when I started sponsoring some of the factory riders. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mongoose Blue Max team, Kenny Amon. Um, Kareem Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else did I start that early the early days? There were there, there was several uh, of teams I started getting inroads to, to sponsor. So what would it, what would it you know to sponsor a team back then? Back then there was money involved. Right. Um, you'd pay the rider directly, or yeah. you know usually what was kind of cool is that you had to get to know the parents mm-hmm. of these factory riders. So me as a young guy who was almost the same age as the racers, I had to get be friends and, and play devil's, devil's advocate and, and get to know the parents, mm-hmm. talk to the parents and sit in the sidelines or whatever and go, you know, go whatever and, 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 and get into that side because a lot of times to get onto that team to sponsor it, the parents were the key or that yeah, team yeah. manager was the key. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how it was. You, you work behind the scenes mm-hmm. and then you, you negotiate with the parents going to want something for the kid. Um, so it could have been as little as $50 a month for an amateur. Still a lot of money um, then. Or $125 a month for a good, you know, good rider. Yeah. Um, you were telling me earlier, like, even Shelby James, but at a yeah. young age. Shelby James' parents didn't want him to be paid, so he wouldn't lose his amateur status. So it was savings bonds, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. Yeah, really- You know, there's times I wrote checks, but sometimes you write it to the parents versus, versus the, uh, the rider. But, um, but, yeah, the money was big in the mid-80s, mid to latter part of the 80s until it tanked and went right down and, and imploded. And you were selling enough plates to, you were telling me some of the guys, you had Townsend, you were saying, yeah. Charles Townsend. Yeah, you know, Charles Townsend, um, a few, there's, uh, there's- Todd Slavic, that picture Todd, of the Todd, Grand. Todd, Todd Slavic, um, uh, Rick Palmer from, um, from Skyway. Yeah. Um, Jared Justice was, 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 was running for a bike shop, but he was still in the mix with some of the pros. He on came Cooper's to England up. when he was on yeah. CW, yeah, yeah, with Pistol, yeah. Right, 84. Um, so, um, Eric Roop, Mm-hmm. And um, and Shelby James, um, no, no, I'm sorry, it was uh, it was yeah Eric and Shelby, Among and uh, the mongoose and zero nine had Travis and Sam, Emeril. Okay. Um, uh, uh, oh, so you split it. So so it was split. Yeah. Um. So but it was it was it was serious money every single month. 
You know, you show up at a race, you pay them that month, or hey, you know, see, I'll mail it in or do whatever. And uh, that's how it was. Who was the competition then? Zero nine, right? Zero, you know, when I, when I it was, it, it, it went from the early 80s to be Haro. Yeah. And all the little plates, Saber and all that crap was all just roadside dust. Yeah. But Haro was, was king. He was a godfather yeah, yeah. of number plates. And that's what we um, got in Europe. Zero yeah. nine, with their, with their in, to all the Schwinn, Schwinn shops and so on back in the day with their numbers, their little carousel of numbers on the countertop. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and their early number plates were, I think, were garbage. But um, but as soon as they they came with then you know they started making some decent stuff and as soon as they put that z- that that factory on the bottom of the plate that really mm-hmm. brought their product up visually and so on and it was a really cool thing they they were they're a good company yeah, you know? yeah. good American good American company I like to compete with mm-hmm. um, but 80, 83 was still Haro eighty four zero nine was everywhere on everyone's bike from the Pattisons to whoever um, you know. Uh, you know, 85, 86, then 86, Crit started taking in, which was an inroads in some of the teams. 87, it was Crit. Right. Uh, 87 and 88. And, um, and if you go back to, I think it goes back to 87 and 88, if you look at all the three main magazines, plus Action and Super BMX, the, the, um, the, the writer's, cho- the, 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 the public choice, the reader's choice, mm-hmm. Crit Plate was number one plate chosen and the pro's choice. And at one year, and one year, Crip Plate was 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 both on all three magazines. And how much would you pay, uh, say, if you got a cover of a magazine? If it was a cover of a magazine, it was twenty five hundred dollars. That's a lot of money. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. But 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 again, yeah. magazines were. Candy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if you got on the front cover of BMX Action magazine, that's the influence. Yeah, you're you you you're there for life. Yeah, you know. Uh, and, and, and then Plus and then Super. When Guyverson took over Super BMX, it, it brought its quality up as far as imagery and so on. Mm-hmm. But Action was, was always the, the, you know, the go-to magazine. Yeah. Um, a little bit of history with Crip Plate. Crip Plate never put an advertisement, never paid for an ad in BMX Action magazine. Oh, that's, and, and you with, got a lot of play. And with, and with most factory magazine, yeah. you had to pay, Pay's you play. had to advertise mm-hmm. to get your riders on there. Mm-hmm. Mike Savage inside front cover. Mm-hmm. Mike Savage front cover. Mm-hmm. Mike Savage two sp- two page spread mm-hmm. at the pits Pensacola pits with Bill Madden mm-hmm. doing his his crank and his Savage on his cruiser right, yeah. black and white photo sequence, free of charge. Wow, they and, uh, really like you and, guys. Well, I I think what it was is that I learned the game that if, if I didn't have the money to to spend on two grand for a monthly advertisement. How can I get my product in there? So you sponsor the riders that have been featured. You sponsor those factory programs mm-hmm. that are paying for the money. Right. Back and, uh, that way. Yeah. yeah. So, so now that you have Skyway or, or even like Mongoose when I had um, Eric Roop, on the back of every single magazine was that Tioga ad. Mm-hmm. And there's him laying it down. Mm-hmm. You can see the back of the plate, but you still saw, you still saw a crit and you still saw a plate. Yeah. That was free advertising. Where I'd have to pay anything except his monthly his monthly salary, and you was doing all your old logos, graphics. I did all you all manufacturing. It, when at, at at first it was like job shop family family style, where I had you know my my like cousin Stacy, um, who was my like third fourth employee, um, you know in grade school, you know doing Velcro and 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 putting plates together and so on. You had you know some of. Um, some other relatives doing Velcro kits and making them up the nylon nuts and bolts. So you just saw sit around. So it's a yeah, yeah. relative, you know, family, and, that, and that's yeah. probably it, it's probably 
because of Rhode Island being that, that jobber capital, the jewelry thing. There was so many underground small businesses mm -hmm. assembling jewelry. You know, yeah, like yeah. So you learn that stuff. and you know them then. Yeah. And, um, but when Crip Plate really, in, in, you know, in the latter part of the 80s, I worked with to help us to do some of my assembly, <clears throat> I used special needs job shops. And um, so it was, they would, they would go, I would go into a, a, a job shop that had the handicap as employees to give them, to give them something sustainable to do mm -hmm. and, and get, earn a skills and so on. Yeah, that's cool. And they would, um, and they'd do a time study and um, find the best employee, you know, to do it. And yeah, so good. Drink some water. Yeah, yeah. We're talking a lot. <laughs> <coughs> but, um, so it was always, you know, I either in-house manufacturing or I would outsource the component kits and they'd come inside and I would polybag and I would have an employee, you know, in-house polybagging and mm -hmm. assemble the final final plate. Who was some of the, your big uh, distributions who was buying a lot of products? <coughs> we had um, Charlie Danishak with DK his, in his company mm -hmm. um, was, was very influential in regards to where Cripplate went. Mm -hmm. um, later on, it was MCS Bicycles, their distribution. Um, and later on, when I... Uh, we'll jump ahead quickly. When I sold, when I sold MCS, um, Crip Plate against my will, and in, um, in ninety, end of end of ninety two and early nine. I'm, I'm sorry, um, eighty nine. Right? Mm. Yeah, eighty nine. Um, they also um, Jeff Devito a few years later bought MCS from the rights from MCS from the two owners Lawrence and Leslie. Mm -hmm. At the same time, he bought the rights for you know Haro. I mean not Haro. Um, uh, hammer and um, Webco, right? and now uh, um, it was uh, Bully. Bully, okay, yeah, Bully, yeah. the freestyle, you know, yeah. Osborne's company, but um, but those were my two biggest. But I had Tip Distributing. Um, there was there was several, mm -hmm. but DK Charlie Danishak, I would have to say, was probably one of the most the biggest mover and shaker at a very pivotal time in Crip Plate's history, um, in '85, where. It got up to, you know, with, with being in New England and having so many states so close, I had that, I had the Northeast and the East Coast covered. Yeah. But the rest of the country, um, and even overseas, Charlie Danishak helped bring Crip Plate into those bike shops on a regular basis. Um, he was also influ influential as far as one of the movers and shakers in Ohio um, for the, the first eight, the first Columbus MBL um, Christmas Classic. Mm -hmm. um, Crip Plate was one of the inaugural sponsors along with Whitman's Bike Shop, um, uh, Dan Whitman. Um, it was uh, DK Products. It was Echo Helmets um, and, and several, several other you know, sponsors. Mm -hmm. Crip Plate was one of the original manufacturers involved. And, um, and that was because of Charlie Danishak. It was... Um, Bob Bruns was the MBL State Commissioner of Ohio at the time. Mm -hmm. um, it was um, Mike Reedy, who was the DK team manager, who I sponsored the DK team through you know all that there, and um, and it was Dan Whitman's, and also um, with Whitman's it was uh, what's his name uh, Bernard. Um, he had the little penguin icon for his uh, they would call it uh, Nardi. Bernard, uh, Bernard um, was from Whitman's. Uh, not Whitman's. Um, uh, yeah, Whitman's um, was was one of the, the movers and shakers that helped Crip Plate be part of that Ohio Christmas Classic on the early eight, early stages. Yeah, the Wildman was on. Uh, he was on that. Yeah, like Eagle Snacks. Well, he, no, it was, he was first. He was on Whitman's. Yeah, and then did he get Hutch? Then Hutch to CW. And he used your plate all the way through. Yeah, well, he he used my plate. 
on Hutch, he was using a Haro plate, mm -hmm. except at the Christmas Classic, I'm like, dude, dude, you you rolled my plate for Whitman's. Let's work something out on this plus You go to the dad, you know, Mr. Yeah, Lyons. Yeah. Hey, Todd, get over here. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, get, get this plate on, you know, and there's a picture of Todd. That's boosting. why I'm thinking of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There's a picture yeah. of him boosting yes. the Christmas classic yeah. with a crib plate on. Mm -hmm. um, and then when, then, then in CW, he was on, using, I think, Haro again. Was it Haro or 09? Either one. But then um, he... Eagle Snacks, which was a big team that I sponsored right, yeah. from, right from the beginning. Yeah. Before who they were, were, they were even popular or even known, I was involved right from the get-go with Eagle Snacks until mm. they just became a monster. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, they started coming to the world, yeah. you know, late 80s. Yeah. Uh, actually, 80s, obviously, 87. Yeah, Bernard Gant. And, yeah, BJ. And, uh, uh, Billy R. And, mm -hmm. um, and Ronnie Walker and mm -hmm. Rob Lincourt from Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. um, but, but Todd Lyons filled that, that gap. Stop where Rob Lincourt and him changed midway year, so they 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 were overlapping briefly, mm -hmm. and then they go seven the separate ways, and that's when they had that extra strong, you know, one two punch with those two guys. So then, like I say, you sponsored, you started to come into Europe a little bit. You sponsored our team, yep. MCS Europe. I think I think more of, you know, it wasn't me personally sponsoring them. I think it was through the distributorship pushing crit plate to get it out in the masses yeah and since you know you guys were the team to help promote the bike mm -hmm. um and all the components i think that's where more the fit came where you guys were on crit plate yeah yeah you know, to sell more crit plates it definitely got out there like say in england say uh, late 80s i guess when bmx got cool in england they started to come in you know like kind of when it the mid 80s 86 it kind of started to die off and that's when i i think the look and that started to look pretty good towards yeah. the late late 80 yeah. 89 you know 88 89 yeah. like what cyclecraft i i rode for yep. and some of the cool american um um you know teams and companies were kind of coming in that late 80s early 90s and everybody uh, yeah it was either zero nine or um or crit plate people seem to run yeah. a lot you know at that, that, that time yeah. yes it was zero nine and crit plate yeah um with as far as crit plate going over to europe as far as england um that's, that's Graham Mary. Yes, uh, Hot Wheels, yeah. Yep, yeah. Hot Wheels. So he used to come over and visit and, and with one or two riders. Mm -hmm. and, um, and he used to go visit Charlie at, at DK, mm -hmm. the Charlie Dennis Shack in Ohio, and bring suitcases and fill up with all U.S. components. Yeah. At the same time, DK uh, would sell would sell him all the crib plates. So 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 Graham is credited to be the first really distributor right, we're taking and, uh, and rep of crib plates. So yeah. whatever he was involved in, Crip Plate was involved at that from that point on. Yeah, and Graham always had cool yeah. teams, you know, in in the UK, you know, free agent. All through suitcases, bring us Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he did power light with us, Cyclecraft for us. It was all through Graham, Mary, CW. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just all great teams with good looks, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's that's pretty cool. So what happened during the like, say you going into the nineties? So and, yeah. So I talked about this on a previous show in that Crip Plate. I was only a single product company. I made number plates. Mm -hmm. It was just me. Yeah. I had no investors. Again, you talk about the family and the whole culture in New England that it really wasn't a, a sustainable business BMX. Yeah. So it was hard to get private investors in my area. Mm -hmm. It was proud to get working capital except what I earned and made. So I always was one down from some of my competitors, like when Zero Nine with wrist rest glo gloves and you know they, they had the pants and mm -hmm. whatever else, it was not getting hard. It was it was more of a challenge to compete 
just for team space yeah. because they're getting a little more extra. Yeah. Um, not the dollar-wise, I can still pay, I can still battle equally, mm -hmm. but I didn't have enough of working capital with only one product generating revenue yeah. compared to a frame and fork or handle bars or, or whatever. So it was hard for me to get capital to do so. Mm -hmm. So I started looking for a, a, um, a, a partner of some sorts. And if you remember it, the Airshot, for a short period of time, the yellow uniforms with the black circle and said Airshot, and you had Donnie, um, you had, not Donnie Hire, was it Donnie Hire? Maybe Donnie Hire was on there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Leslie Carter was on there, as far as a girl, girl rider. But they were a pretty strong team, um, you know, in, on the MBL circuit. Yeah. And Gary just sold the little portable air compressor, Airshot, to like Coleman for like bazillions of money. Right. And um, so since I sponsored the team and so on, we had a great rapport. He was thinking about maybe coming in and invest some money into, into Crip Plate and we would have expanded to bicycles, frame and forks and all that yeah, stuff. That was one of my questions, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I always did. I, I, had, I had a frame on, on, the board, on the drawing board way ahead of the time that was a little bit inspired by RRS with that, that kind of, um, not cantilever, but that kind of, that, that bottom bracket that kind of like moved around and stuff. Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a, a frame design where it was actually an open bottom bracket with just the two two cups to hold the to hold the bearings in mm -hmm. and, and, and like a pretty cool two two bike. Mm -hmm. um, but I just was never there to be able to produce that. And um, and 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 Gary was like was on the fence and then then MCS just you know MCS just got bought out um, from um, God, what was his name? One, the, he bought it from the the Esser family, but either way, he sold MCS for stupid money at the end when BMX was starting to dive down, mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the late eighties, like eighty eight. Um, now they, I think they bought it in end of eighty seven. They bought MCS bicycles. So two um, South Africans, Lawrence Lawrence Ripko and Leslie Hertz, bought MCS bicycles. Then they also bought. Bully and Hammer from RL for stupid money. That's when RL cashed out. He's running for general bikes for free, you know, freestyle and stuff. That's when RL sold, you know, cashed out of BMX and sold it for tons of money. Yeah. And um, so now I got these new guys I know nothing about, and I wish I researched them and did an FBI check on these guys because they were bad, bad dudes. And um, so it made sense. You know, they wanted to do something with Crip. You know, they wanted to invest. And the deal was that I owned Crit Plate, the con I contract was, I owned Crit and all the rights to the product and so on, the name and all that. They were gonna take over the financial responsibility, the day-to-day -day financial responsibility and infuse working capital. Um, I was getting a salary, I was getting a, an apartment allowance, and I was getting a car allowance wow. to buy a car. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, this is cool. You know, <laughs> you know and 10% and, and, and royalties on every Crip Plate sold, regardless of what avenue, if it was sold directly from MCS to a bike shop, or if it was another distributor buying it, I was getting 10% off the top paid weekly. Wow. The money was like, it was, it was a no brainer. And, um, and the, the stipulation was I was moving Crip Plate to Pompano Beach, Florida. So I did that in July of 1988. I moved Crip Plate from Rhode Island to Pompano Beach and um, set up shop there. Um, that's when MCS was still making manufacturing on the premises with Ron C and Greg Esser. Um, so now there's the opportunity to to eventually possibly make frame and forks mm -hmm. um, and handlebars. Um, and, and I've always been a USA made company. Nothing was ever made in Taiwan or 
or you know in China, and um, but they they were importing stuff for MCS and they wanted to stop importing and I was against it, but they had a little bit more control on some of the financial stuff. Yeah. And um, so we were importing the first pad sets for crib plate came in from Taiwan. It was a whole tr container full mm -hmm. and they were very popular. They sold out like crazy. And um, at the same time, like only a weeks into the contract, they're trying to rewrite it. Oh. They're trying to, Take this away, change that. No, don't do this. No, we're not gonna send you to the grands. And without me knowing, they sent a letter to all the teams and riders that I sponsored on the contract and they canceled every single contract without me even knowing until it was already too late. Wow. Eric Roop receives a letter in the mail. We, you know, we've taken over you know, financial, whatever, and distribution of crit, and we, we know we'll no longer honor any previous financial responsibilities through Crit Plate and Mike Rodriguez. So now I lose, I'm losing riders that, that you know, the presence of, yeah, that's, what, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. If those plates on the front of those bars, yeah. you know, you're, you're losing market share. Yeah. And, um, and that's when UGP, Ronnie Bonner just started doing, just started doing his first UGP plate. Yeah. Which if you look at the original UGP, has a few extra notches of a crit plate. You know, if you put them over each other, he just has a few more little zigzags and all that, but it's, it's kind of a crit plate. Yeah. Um, but... They did everything they could to take the business away from me. Six months in, I call up my brother. I have one older brother. I go, hey, Joe, I'm coming home. Come on down, fly down, we'll rent a box truck, and we'll bring everything back, and then we'll sit with the attorney, and we'll go, we'll, we'll go at these guys. Mm -hmm. He flew in on a Friday, rented a big straight, you know, straight truck. We went by my apartment, he went by my apartment, cleaned up my apartment, and then at the end of the day, we went to MCS after it was closed, and I took everything crib plate out of there and drove to, over the weekend over to Rhode Island on Monday morning. I was sitting at my attorney's office and like, hey, we got a problem. Mm -hmm. There's an issue here. You guys are violating everything. You know, you, this is not how this deal is. And I went back and forth. And I was only, only home for a few, a few, maybe about a month. They were paying GMAC, the finance company, for my car. My car was repossessed in the yard. Oh, wow. So now I have no car. And I'm fighting for that. That you know, I have 30 days to go pick up my car. I have no revenue. All the money, and it was so much money, was all being going down to Florida to MCS. They would, all the money was coming there. Nothing was coming to me because now I'm in a legal battle with these guys. Mm -hmm. And so my dad's like, you know, my dad was heartbroken. My dad helped me in every step of the way with the business. He was championing me every single every single way. Yeah. And my dad goes, listen, we just built a new house in 86. Just, just you and my mom. It's just me and mom. He goes, I, I, I can't help you financially. My dad was so distraught over this. And he goes, um, he goes, I'll tell you what, you find a way to generate some revenue over the next few weeks, next month, we'll go get your car. Mm -hmm. and I had 30 days to do so. Two weeks later, we call up GMAC to find out where the car is to go get it. And they auctioned the car off. It was an $18,000 car. They auctioned it off for twelve. No, it was it was like six to eight thousand dollars. They auctioned it off, and I was still responsible for the rest. Wow! And my dad was like out of his mind. I was out of my mind. Fast forward, second week in January of '89, my dad comes home from work, puts his lunch uh, lunch box on the stoop, did some yard work. He collapsed in the yard. Oh! He had an aneurysm, struck with an aneurysm in his head. Oh! A neighbor saw him, helped him up, helped him into the house. He started going to convulsions. Rescue came. My mom goes, you stay here and man the phones. Come to the hospital after. 
My mom goes to my dad in the rescue. Three hours later, my dad's in a coma. Three days later, my dad died. Oh, sorry. No hi, no bye, no I love you, dad, nothing. Ugh. Out of the blue, I'm still fighting for my business with MC, against MCS. Now I bring a second attorney in, it's a family attorney, and we're trying to get this thing resolved. And he's like, Mike, why don't you sell Crip Plate to these guys? And I gave them a price what I wanted, and I wanted it all up front. And at that time in 89, you know BMX was in the oh, toilet. Yeah. It was yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it disappeared as far as all the factory, the magazines, it all just overnight yeah. um, disappeared. So I settled for the sale price, and it was being paid monthly, which I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I wanted my upfront to spend since 1980, and since 1989, I want to get paid. And um, so now, there was a clause in the contract that if there was any problems where they couldn't pay, I can take Crip Plate back. I got married in 1990. 1991, they stopped faltering. BMS is like nothing. They they don't want to pay. They're only paying half. So I took Crip Plate back from them and sat on it. 1992, April of 1992, my ex-wife goes, you hate doing what you're doing. I go, well, kinda. She goes, I do. She goes, why don't you stop crip plate again? Mm-hmm. And I and I had all the stuff down in my parents' basement. You know the boxes of stuff and all that there. I met Bob Tedesco. I went to New Jersey to I think I think Howell or one of the tracks and met with Bob and said, Hey Bob, I'm bringing crip plate back. I want to be. I want to sponsor the, the '92 MBL Grands. I want to be this. I want to be a sole sponsor. No co-sponsors. I want to be an exclusive crit race. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing with the Christmas Classic. I don't care about co-sponsors with that, but I want, I want Crit Plate to be the main sponsor for both of those events. In return, I was doing the, um, the MBL National Plates and the U.S. Open number plates. And that was like a $14,000, $15,000 contract. Two weeks before, two weeks before the Grands, I deliver on time the number plates for the grands, you know, for the end of the year. Yeah. Individually packaged, numbers on the thing, they said to put, they didn't put a, a dress label on there and mail them out. I get Bob Tedesco calling me and there's that Bob Tedesco drawer. Hey, hey, Mike, you know, plates look great, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, hey, hey, listen, we got GT. <laughs> they want to do a documentary and they want to film the grands. Don't worry, Mike, the race is still your race, you know, you know, whatever. And my contract was, if there was a t-shirt sold and there was a BMX bike on the t-shirt, a crit plate had to be on the bike. Right. Like, like they go all branding. Yeah. Right? All signage around the track had to be crit plate. Mm-hmm. And the, do it, you know, the, the, the race had to be crit plate only. UGP, with, with, with me selling, you know, step back a little bit, with crit plate selling to MCS and they, and they did Crip Plate for two and a half years, they never infused into anything new. They, kept, they just kept on selling the same old plate that I came out in 86 and 87. Yeah. In the meantime, Ron Bonner from UGP picked up steam. Mm-hmm. Underground, he had his dad working with him, he had a host of uh, you know, guys you know, printing it you know, down in Florida and so on, doing great. Mm-hmm. And just so you know, Ron Bonner, if I didn't sell Crip Plate to MCS, you would never get off the ground. 
So UGP would have been what it, what it became and what you sold it for. But either way, that's a little bit of his, that's that's what ifs. Ron sponsored us yeah. around that time. Yeah. That's so when we went out yeah. to Florida in exactly. the early, early 90s and uh, we all went, literally went to his bedroom and yeah. where, he was, where he was making the place. Exactly. Yeah. And I give him credit. They're homegrown. You know, he, he was at the right place at the right time and at the whole grunge, you know, wallet chain, mm-hmm. you know, seats down low and 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 no and no corporate anything it was it was perfect he, he was right at the pulse of the time he did good you know yeah yeah we loved but, it but, yeah, I yeah. but, but, but if, I, if those chain of events didn't happen i wouldn't let him i wouldn't let him i would have been out his neck i didn't realize there was so much uh rivalry between all the you know the plates you said you had the same kind of rivalry well, with, 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 with zero nine with, right with zero nine yeah uh, for instance and i know we're jumping around but christmas clack classic Myself and Owen Shepperman are in the infield. That's the owner. Yeah, it was one of the. You know, the one are of the these brothers. the same guys that are doing it now? Yeah, yes, yeah, they're, they're back. You know. I see zero nice back. I didn't yeah. realize it was the same yeah. guys. Yeah, same, same brothers. Yeah. yeah, okay. And um, so Owen was a guy that really designed all the plates and so on. He was the plate guy. His brother Kevin was the clothing guy who ended up going to you know playing with dolls and dresses and left the sport after they stopped making pants. But it was Owen who was I always battled with with number plates. And um, so we'd be in the infield, say, for instance, the Christmas Classic, and there's 14 experts up on the gate for the main. And there's someone, and now I'm counting how many crit plates are on the gate. And you know, he's looking the at 09. And then, then after, the, after the race, you know, there's this quick kid rides whatever factory team was riding 09. Now, this, now it's end of year. Christmas mm-hmm. is ended. Contracts are up. Yeah. So, so now what do I do is I hightail it at the end of the day, seek out that team manager and those riders and the parents, and I start talking, the next, the second day, they're on you. They're, they're riding a Cripplate. So it was always cool to have that battle between mm-hmm. 09 and Cripplate. Yeah. Um, and, and they did the same thing. You know, they would, like Free Agent, for instance, I was sponsoring Free Agent. And then, you know, the next year, they're getting wrist wrap gloves. Mm-hmm. So now they're riding 09 plates. But, you know, we all had our share with some of the major teams. I think I rode, I rode when I, 88, I was, again, this is English team. Not quite as professional as the American teams at the time, or at least you know we didn't get as much product. I think I was using crit plates and wrist wraps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. I always, I, I always love, I always love that. You see a kid, right. a picture in a magazine. Right. You see a kid with with horror pants, a zero nine jersey, right. and a crit plate. Well, oh, in Europe, there's a lot yeah. of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, we I could can, get whatever kid that would I use. Can you care know, less what you're wearing. Right. I want to know what's on your handlebars. Right. You know. Well, go finish off the NBL grand. Yeah. So GT so, came so, in, kind so, of outpowered you. Well, well, well. It, it, what it was, it was they were going to film, and 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 do it and, and film the races. And I, and I don't know the whole format. I wasn't told yeah. the whole format. So here I am with a brand new team. Um, you know um, Sean Dupree. Mm-hmm. So Sean Dupree in 1992 was on my factory team. Mm-hmm. So Ronnie Pacino, um, you know, Mike Savage, and several other, you know, John Bedessa, who in, in, the, in the early 90s was a good was UCI world Yeah, champion, world champ. I remember right? the name. Yeah, so, yeah. so I had a brand new factory team, some new product. And here we are. To, we, 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 we drive all the way from Rhode Island, two rent van, two minivans. We pull up, and Dave Marietti from the hot shop did all the vans, uh, the Grands graphics. We show up, now I've um, been married for two years. My ex-wife, never been to really BMX races except locally. Mm-hmm. And she always knew of me, we were neighborhood friends, so she always knew me of, of, in BMX. Yeah. But here we are with all this money, with all the number plates you know, that we did and all the money we put out to sponsor the race and, and, and all that there. We show up 
and across the starting hill, GT. <laughs> it's a big banner, right? And it says GT mm -hmm. 1992 MBL Grands, a crit plate logo, and four or five co-sponsors. Like where these fuckers come from? So you went in, right? So I'm um, thinking you went, you're looking for Bob after that, right? Oh yes, I finally get to hunt down Bob before the opening <laughs> ceremonies. Mike, don't worry about it. He goes, it was a mistake because because originally whatever. Don't worry about it. And you know, during opening ceremonies, um, we're gonna present you and your wife a silver cup and announce everybody that Crip Play is a sponsor of the Grands. So it's gonna be a shiny, shiny trinket, right? right? <laughs> so that happens. And back then, banners, there was no digital printing back then. No. Two foot by four foot or two by three or whatever it was, those were screen printed tie back banners mm -hmm. or, or, or nylon banners. So they were expensive. So I built, I brought, you know, you know, Ferrin strip wooden frames to make sure all around the berms that the crib plate logo was everywhere. Yeah. The whole track I had crib plate all over it. Mm -hmm. On the announcement tower, which you see from 86 uh, on of crib plate sponsor the Grands, that logo was everywhere. Bob, I mean, uh, Scott Bryhop, OM, shows up. He's doing, he's with the television crew. That's his responsibility. They set up all the, all the, all the scaffolding in the infield. That's on a Thursday. Come Friday, Bryhop's disappears in a coke binge somewhere, <laughs> and that's true. He disappears for the weekend, he's coked out, nowhere to be found. No filming at all. So it wasn't televised? Not yet. So, come to the day of the main events, we, are, we show up, the Crip Plate crew, all my Crip Plate banners were punched through, knocked down and gone. The whole track was lined with GT, Robinson, and Paula Lake banners. I'm out of my mind. Mm -hmm. Now I'm really looking for Bob, who was avoiding me the entire day. Yeah. The only filming they did for the 92 MBL Grands was main events of Robinson, GT, and Paula Lake factory riders. Mm -hmm. I found the only remaining Crip Plate banner, and I was in the infield following the camera around like a friggin' lunatic, screaming, <laughs> F you, fuck you. I, like, like, a, like a, out of my mind, lost it. Yeah. That they, I, the race was taken away. Part of my contract was the t-shirts. It was a GT rider with a dyno number plate in the t-shirts. Fucked me over. On every level. So did you and Bob ever, you know, make peace after that or that was it? Up to that point, I was never an ABA company. I never went to an ABA national except maybe a local one. A um, couple of local races racing when I was, a kid, you know, growing up racing. Mm -hmm. But my company never, never sponsored or really pushed a lot of ABA. I was so distraught with what happened and what, how, how financially... He fucked me over that I went to my first ABA Grands. Mike Savage has always been going to ABA Grands and winning and all that there and doing well. Mm -hmm. So I went to the 92 ABA Grands with uh, Mike Savage and I met Clayton John outside. Now they invited me. Mike set up a table and I set up a, a booth for Crip Plate at the 92 Grands, yeah. uh, ABA Grands. Welcome me. Guac was doing his old school stuff there, a little display. And, um, and I'm like, you know what? I want to open up a BMX track in Rhode Island. I can't trust the NBL now. So I meet Clayton outside his hotel room, and he goes to me. He goes, Mike, yeah, we'll we'll help you out. He sent they sent um, 
um, uh, Craig Allen Sr. to come you know, to build my track for me in Rhode Island. Um, and Bob Tedesco wrote a directive to the Rhode Island MBL State Commissioner, who was a good friend of mine, demanding that he, he, the, the Rhode Island State Commissioner for the MBL does not allow the MBL riders to race the ABA track. Oh, so wow. they did whatever they could to keep, to keep riders from my track. They would, they would hold parent meetings. They would do whatever they could to, to slay me before mm -hmm. they before I even got all open. I starved for two years um, with no member, like barely any membership. Ended my it was 19, going into winter of nineteen ninety five. My season was over, and the state commissioner, Mike, who's a friend of mine, comes over because Mike, it's been my job. I can't. I'm sorry, but and you'd already like no more crit. Uh, there was no, no crit during no this crit, period. I was still doing crit plate. Okay, you know, little whatever. Like I still do whatever I could. Yeah. You know, whatever distributors would carry the plates. But we lost so much money with supplying 2,000 number plates, yeah. all custom done, and all the investment for the grands and losing it all and not getting the promotion out of it that we're supposed to. You know, with the magazines and so on. Main events, as when the main events, when I was taking all the final photo, you know, photos and what, and it's all GT, Robinson and Paul. Mm. And um, so we're reeling from that. Two years of starving as an ABA track in MBL territory. I cave in and I call up Bob. I just, I just hand shook a new lease for $1 a rider for, for, next, for, for 1996 mm -hmm. for my track. And things are good. And um, I call Bob, cave in, that I'm going to go MBL. Mike, that's great to hear. I'll FedEx a, a track operator's contract out to you. You'll have it tomorrow. Sign it, get it right back to me. You'll be all set for 96 season. Great, Bob. Week goes by. I go to my track to winterize it, and all my locks, all my locks are cut, dropped, and new chains are on my, on my fence and stuff. I walk into my landlord, and I go, what's going on? He goes, oh, Mike. He goes, um, there was some guy, local guy, showed up, with a written contract from the National Bicycle League saying he's the new track director for this track and for us to sign a written lease with him for $2 a rider. So Bob pulled the track out, but I didn't know there was a clause in the track operator's agreement. So Bob took the track away from me. I had so much money out on that track. You know, as anyone has a BMX track, dirt, electrician, you know, the stuff, trophies, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, this is a labor of love. It's not a moneymaker, BMX tracks. Mm -hmm. And um, I went outside. I called Bob on the phone right there. My landlord's thing. He goes, well, Mike. He goes, um, yeah. He goes, I gave your track to so-and-so. You're no longer an MBL track operator. Oh, wow. And he hung up the phone. So not only did he fuck me over and 92 grands and, and, and never paid for number plates, the 2,000 number, number plates for 1992, the MBL never paid me. Never. Freebie. And um, so between the grands and losing all that money mm -hmm. and then losing my track and owing everybody in my name all this stuff for the track, I packed up all my rakes and shovels, threw them in a jalopy car that I was driving because I lost my car three years ago, four years ago, when you know, it was repoed, mm -hmm. and, um, and walked away from BMX in 1996 until 2009. Okay, so you came back in 2009. Yeah. What made you uh, want to come back? I was on I, the internet, and I was on BMX Museum. Okay. And my ex-wife goes, hey, there's a new thing called Facebook. 
Right. Right. You should give it a try. I go, nah. I said, I'm, I'm cool. I can, you know, say hi to some of the old dudes. I see my number plates out there. I'm good. And uh, it was a Friday night. She went to bed like 10 o'clock at night. I joined Facebook. Started finding, you know, typed in BMX or whatever. And I'm, yeah, yeah. Now I'm sending a friend request. Saturday morning, I got 300 friends yeah, yeah. out of the who's who. Wow. Mm. And now I started going to everyone's Facebook page and their photo albums. And now I'm calling every picture of Crip Plate being written back in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. And I'm making photo albums on my Crip Plate Facebook page. Yeah, that's cool. And, um, and through Facebook and seeing the vitality of the brand still relevant yeah. and people still consider Crit part of that trio of Crit, Haro, and Zero Nine. Mm -hmm. I started in 2009, did some test marketing with Crit Plate and um, went to uh, National in Maryland, ABA National in Maryland, and brought some graph paper. Here I am again with the graph paper <laughs> and, um, and traced out every single handlebar and to see what I need to do to bring Crip Plate to a new size so the yeah. plates were smaller, yeah. so much smaller. And come to find out, today's pro Crip Plate is 1986's Mini. micro plate. Okay, I was about to Exact say that. same yeah, size. Yeah, yeah. That's the micro plate. Right, from I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah, I was looking at it. Yeah, so it's how, you know, you know and, and now they have side plates. Well, if you use six inch numbers, you won't need side plates. Mm -hmm. But using three inch numbers with all these graphics on it, you can't see the damn things. Yeah, yeah, true. You know? True. But uh, it, it was me joining Facebook in, um, in the winter of 2009. Yeah, I think Facebook, you know, social media brought a lot of people back, yeah. you know. It's like everybody reconnected, like, oh, people remember me. And, um, yeah, it was, it was probably a, a good time for BMX, you know. Yeah. And, and it, there was definitely a resurgence. And, um, and as a manufacturer, yes, regardless of how much I despise the NBL slash Bob Tedesco, Bob Tedesco was recently retired, so now Bob wasn't at the helm, mm -hmm. but MBL was hemorrhaging because Bob ran into the ground, took the money and ran. And uh, so I did some test marketing and I found out that it's still viable. In 2010, I went on the road um, with both ABA and MBL and, uh, and the sport now being a sole sanctioned sport has hurt the sport in one way. That before you had two competing sanctioned bodies, but you had two markets to sell as a company. So you had the MBL camp and the ABA camp. So, and they were divided. So you had that whole market of product you can sell to the MBL riders, ridership. So it's, it's condensed and we lost a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's not as big financially for a company now with a single a single sanction, but um, but slowly, um, just like I did back in the day, guerrilla marketing, you know, look at to who, what teams are what, and start sponsoring the individual teams, individual riders, and by 2011, I'm back in the game. Was you involved with BMX Mania? I always seem to think you was you had a lot of stuff on there. There was stuff on BMX Mania, but I think it was more as just a contributor than anything else. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. making number plates and doing yeah. whatever, maybe some special graphics stuff. I know Jerry used to always have teams and that, just some some reason I thought yeah. that he was running, running crit. Well, in, in 2012, I had that European invasion, right? and I would, I would look at, you know, Australia, England, uh, I would look at, um, you know, wherever, 
and to find out who was who, mm-hmm. and I go after those programs. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's most likely they wrote a crypt plate at that time, yeah, at that yeah. transitional, new transitional time. Um, but I, I went after everybody. So like USA BMX or, or ABA and NBL, I went out the top five teams, factory, mm-hmm. and go after and try to get as many teams to ride crypt plate. Mm-hmm. And what was great this time around, there was no money involved. It was product. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, there's no money in BMX right now as far as sponsorship. No. It's, it's not there. And so you took another little break during that period and obviously... Uh, Cripply, you know, I started doing jerseys and I right. fell on my lap. Um, making custom number plates for everybody in 2011, 2010, 2011, they're like, hey, since you designed that number plate, can you make jerseys for us? And I didn't want to do, I didn't want to even get involved in jerseys. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to every jersey manufacturer, including, you know, from Riders Ready to whoever, to see if they'll do any subcontracting. Mm-hmm. And I had Riders Ready came across it. Yeah, we can do that for you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Mark, Mark. I think his name is Mark. And um, it was two weeks before South Park in, in, um, in 2011. And Reed calls me and goes, yeah, I can't get it done. I had one jersey. Three, it was three jerseys for one ride. It was my buddy Rick Bell from, from, from New Hampshire who wanted neon pink, blue, and so on to match custom arrow pants he had made. And, and, and Rick was a cool dude. And, um, and so, I, so Mark messaged me and says, nah, can't do it. And um, so I reached out to all the other people I've talked to. And I got one taker says, yeah. And I'm I'm leaving for Louis. I'm 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 leaving for South Park, and he goes, yeah, I'll get it done for you. I'll have it to your hotel on Friday. Sure enough, he came through. Picked up at my hotel, opened up the uh, the box. There's the three jerseys. I take a picture of the box with the jerseys, um, and send it over to Mark at um, Riders Ready and say, hey Mark, I'll see you on the gate. I'm in business now, and um, and I and the jerseys blew up. I had unstable manufacturing partner to the point where he was taking the money and using it to pay his mortgage and stuff, but not paying the person who was making the jerseys behind the scenes. So I ended up funding that out and I ended up striking a deal with a true subcontractor mm-hmm. and paid his bills that were my bills mm-hmm. and he took over the manufacturing. And I think it went in 2012, I had 168 race programs riding Cripplate. And I had 48 across the, across the world riding my jerseys. Wow, that's a lot. It was monstrous. Um, 2012, I, I, a week before, 2012, a week before the Grand, before the, the, um, the Birmingham World Championships, I'm going to England. Mm-hmm. Now, that's months of preparation, especially if you want to vend all the tariffs and things you're going to sign with the local whatever. Yeah. Nah. I get on the phone, whoever I can find, I am coming, I need a place to, to vend, to do whatever, and off to England I went. And um, set up a booth, right by the, where the staging was and so on, the back, like a, around the backside of the auditorium, and I uh, was in Birmingham. So I set up the Crip Plate booth, and uh, I had guys our age from all over the world walking over to me, yeah. in the best broken English through an interpreter or whatever, and asking if I was the same Crip Plate from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And it was the most humbling experience where I have a guy from Czechoslovakia mm-hmm. walk over and ask if I was the same Mike Rodriguez and Crip Plate from the 80s and he's like I still have my Crip Plate 
that my friend brought back from Southern California in like in 1986 or 87. Wow. And it's still on my bedroom wall. That's cool. In Czechoslovakia. Yeah, yeah. And you look at that and you're like, mm -hmm. how humbling is, is something like that? Oh, I mean, huge heritage, it's, you know, yeah. Whoa, right? And come to find out, he is the director of all sport in Czechoslovakia. Wow. And he goes, hey, Mike, do you want to make the 2012 Czechoslovakia national plate? <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and his name is Rennie. And he, on the, on the way home from, from Birmingham, on the plane, I designed the Czechoslovakian 2012 national plate. So got him into production models in the air. Yeah, that's cool. Which is so cool. Yeah. But fun times. Yeah. With that. Bring us up to speed now then. So, I was married for 26 years up until my divorce in 2000, early 2015. Well, 2015 is my final for divorce. It was a really bad situation. My ex-wife became addicted to prescription drugs, alcoholism. Um, you know, she would be yelling all the time and, you know, and, and saying in front of my kids, I can't wait, you're old enough, I'm out of here. Um, it was a lot of domestic verbal violence in the house. Um, that my kids were hurt on a regular basis, my three boys. And, um, but she was turning the table, making it feel like it was my fault. Like, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that. I want this, I'm taking the kids away from you. I was in a very bad place come 2014. And, you know, if you've heard what I've been talking about, that Crip Plate is my soul. I started Crip Plate, it's my, been my life journey mm -hmm. to do Crip Plate. So, you know, some people say, well, you know, you should be able to separate your business from your personal life. No. Crip Plate is me. Regardless of what I'm doing in my personal life, Crip Plate is me. So when I was kind of pretty much having a nervous breakdown and thinking I'm losing my kids and I'm being ousted out of my own home uh, and so on, I couldn't function. I was dropping the ball. You know, I had so much business. People would be calling me and I couldn't answer the phone. It was a bad scene. And... Um, to the point where I finally got help. And um, where I you know, I was put in touch with an attorney, a woman attorney who is an advocate for women and she took my case. And, um, and I, filed for, I filed a restraining order against my ex-wife in April of 2015, and then filed for divorce the following day. And with that restraining order, put that brick wall between all of that negative and hurt and you know, I lost myself most of my marriage. I was never the person I, I should have been during that time because of all the mental stuff she was applying, infidelities and, and all that. I was, I was a basket case. I was not in a good, good place. And it took that restraining order and that brick wall for me to reevaluate me as a human being, me as a man, but most importantly, me as a father. And to be the father I should have been when I wasn't able to function. And I helped my boys and I, we flipped our life upside down from diet to exercise to, to devoting 24 seven to my three boys and family, brought about the old school family values of family dinner and this and that. And, um, and it worked. It, 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 and that's all I, I, I from, from 2015 to a year ago, I've been surviving on a part-time or a full-time design wage working for somebody else um, versus Crip Plate. Crip Plate was still going 
where it was on life support. I would still do Sarasota BMX number, you know, track plates. I would do Northern California track, or I would sponsor Mike Savage still, and he'd still be going around all over the world. Mm -hmm. But that was the extent of it. Crit plate was just there, but there was no effort. There was, I couldn't. I didn't have the capability of doing that. And then, um, and now all three of my boys are amazing. They're doing great for themselves. They're all up. They just moved up. My last one just moved out of the house. And now it's my turn again. It's my turn now to stop back crit plate mm -hmm. and pick up where I left off. And that's what you're doing, right? And that's where I am right now. Sorry. <coughs> but it took that brick wall of a restraining order for me to find myself to be able to Reevaluate all that. Reevaluate all this and see what's the most priority. My three boys and 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 where they were at and what they were seeing and what they we were just we were just doing nothing. You know, we, we weren't do, you know they weren't evolving as people and human beings. Mm -hmm. And it was it's they do my boys. I'm so proud of my three boys and how what good young men they're turning out to be. Absolutely, that's great. Um, alongside Crit now, you was telling me about four hundred one. Yeah, so I have a new company. You know when. When I, was, when I was doing the jerseys and so on, it wasn't a Crip product, but it was associated to Crip Plate. So mm -hmm. if my jersey manufacturer was making a mistake and doing whatever, oh, Crip Plate sucks. Well, no, Crip Plate doesn't suck. Crip Plate just has been sponsoring a team seamlessly and, and giving you thousands of dollars of the product, and, and now I suck because your jersey came in the wrong size. Well, <laughs> no. So what I have is I have a sister company called 401 Made, mm -hmm. and that entitles anything to do with branding for anybody mm -hmm. you know any type of any type of graphic design brand identity uh, I do um, I'm, I'm, I'm new to you're on Facebook so I quickly last Facebook, night yeah. yeah yeah Facebook I do I do anything from coffee shops to mm -hmm. to beach beach resort graphics to now I'm doing trophies and awards and um, all custom cut cool stuff and again, I've been doing track awards since 1984 with mm -hmm. the state plates. Yeah. So there's a long history of myself, Mr. Crit, you know, making award plates for BMX and making award designs. And since 1984, I have never failed a contract when it came to an award for a track or a state organization or a national organization. Well, I want to touch on so, the, the one I won this year at Dirty Fest. Amazing yeah. plate. So thank you. And, yeah. and, that, and that plate... Is when, when as soon as Mike, you know, when Hollywood said, hey, I'm doing this, I said, I got you covered. And I was able to go back down into my mom's basement where Crip Plate used to be my manufacturing. It was this full-on manufacturing shop right. in, the, in the basement of my parents' house. And in the, in the storage area up on a dusty shelf, I had another brick of pro and mini plates yeah. that were die cut in, back in 1985. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are Norse old school original stock. Plastic, wow. and it's the same plastic I used, the same blanks I used for Scott Bryhop's uh, 2010 40 Years of BMX. Wow. Those were the awards then too. So those are gold. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't buy, you can't make those anymore. No. So I, of course, I reproduced the graphics to spec from the 80s. You know, the same irregular shape. I right love there. the big fat number one. Yeah. You know, it just reminds me of yeah, it's, reading the American magazines. Exactly. You know? Big number on the front, yeah. big old stinking number, yeah. you know, and stickers all over it and whatever else, but it was yours, it was your yes. identity. and you knew and, who it um, was as well, and you know. So, and, and, and Dale, I'll, I'll explain to you that, you know, when Jason Richardson at Dirty Fest podiumed, mm -hmm. I walked up and leaned into him, handing him his, his 
plate. Yeah. And I said, just so you know, Jason, I said, your brother Kareem mm -hmm. in 1985, riding from Blue Max, yeah. riding my number plate, rode the number plate from the same batch of die cut plastic. Wow, that's cool. So your brother, yes. your brother rode the same number plate that I'm handing you right now, yeah. just with different graphics on it. Mm -hmm. So it was so cool. You know, another cool thing is that I haven't seen Glenn Pulvoski and all those guys in TC and everybody who used to, we used to, and, and Big E, we used to tour the, the East Coast circuit with and, yeah. and so on. We stay at, at, at TC's dad, cool dad's place in, in, in Zellwood, yeah. um, you know, on, 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 the, on, the, on, the, on the, on the cornfields, you know, the corn, used to crop dust. We used to stay, all stay together there and they would get a big kick of my Rhode Island accent, you know, and right. always bust out balls all the time, myself and Savage. Yeah. And, um, but it was, Hey Rodriguez, say sausage. Sausage. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I talk Rhode Island, you know, New England. It's funny. Even you know? my daughter picked up on your accent yeah. straight away today when she met you. You know, She's <laughs> I like, told her that. She yeah. said, you, you were two funny guys. Your dad, yeah, you know, with, his, with his English accent, and me with. I Rhode know. Island She's used to funny accents. You know. Everyone's yeah. So so of course the biggest thing was even to this you know you you, you know everyone wants to make fun of my accent. I put R's where you're not supposed to put R's. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and I you know that. You know, you know, park the car in the harbor type thing, Boston mm -hmm. type of thing. And um, so when I was sponsoring Dirty Fest, I asked Mike, I said, hey, listen, Mike Savage and my, and my little factory rider, Curtis Bland, are coming. We need a place to stay. Mm -hmm. He goes, let me work on it. Yeah. So he messaged me back and he said, you know, he texted me. He goes, um, he goes, Glenn Pawlowski is going to put you up. Yeah, that's cool. So he has his phone number. So I messaged Glenn. The first thing I get back from him is sausage. Uh, right? <laughs> so that was awesome. Yeah. You know, and Glenn and, was fast there. Yeah. Flying. He, yeah. he hasn't lost it. You no. Know? And, and so going to Dirty Fest was such a beautiful reunion. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing TC and, mm -hmm. and, and Eric and, you know, Big E. But one, one other person in particular was Mrs. Carter, Eric's, Eric's mom, Mrs. Mm -hmm. C. Mm -hmm. Um, through my divorce over the last eight years, through Facebook, because we're Facebook friends, mm -hmm. I would I use Facebook as an open journal. Mm -hmm. So I would pour my heart out, regardless of how nasty, how personal it was. Yeah, I used it as my to finally get my voice back of who I am. Yeah. through Facebook, and um, and I had a great village through social media, including my, you know my, from family and friends. But through Facebook, I had a great global team, you know, a, mm -hmm. a village that have great support. And Mrs. Carter would always, you know, but not just like a love, but always send a private message. You know, hey, nice. Mike. Hey, Dad, you're doing great. Don't mm -hmm. worry about it, Dad. Just keep on going, you know. Hey, I love your food because I push a lot of food on there and stuff, all my cooking and all that. Right. You know, she champions, she's been championing me for the last eight years. Oh, so, nice. so to see Mrs. C pull up with Mrs. Pulaski on a golf cart at Dirty Fest. And I'm That's like, cool, hey, yeah. you lady, right. stop. I need a hug. It was the coolest thing. Right and on. then not you know, seeing Glenn Pulaski since like 88, 89 before his injury mm -hmm. and not seeing him or even talking to him up until this week. Mm -hmm. I'm in his kitchen. They, they put me up, they put us up in their house, the Pulaskis. So now we're now we're I'm sitting and you know the the morning of practice at Dirty Fest. I'm sitting in the kitchen in the morning having a cup of coffee with Glenn's you know son, who's the same age he was the last time I was talking to his dad. <laughs> now this is dad, who is a prime athlete back at age 18 or 17, mm -hmm. and now I'm talking to a 17 year old son who's a prime pitcher in in, in baseball, having this almost like the same. Conversation was the most surreal thing. Yeah. Thirty-five years later, 
Then after practice, we go to the Pulaski's were camped out. We're camped out at the, um, at the campground at Dirty Fest. And he goes, oh, come by the, the camper after. We pull up. Glenn sees us. He runs back into the camper. He comes out with a thing of frozen sausage. He's like, sausage! <laughs> it, was, it was so cool to have that 35-year reunion and cycle back. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it was, it's, you know, and, and as you know, Dale, that when you see a BMX buddy you haven't seen in decades, or, right. or it's, you pick up just, oh, like straight you, away. Just, just like you left off. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. And you never left. There's never any weird and, feeling no, or nothing. And that's yeah. what BMX is all about. And that's Absolutely. what we, we get. That's what Dirty Fest was that same way. Yeah. Uh, it's very cool. Humbling. Wrapping it up, um, people want to get hold of you, get plates. Facebook. Different countries may be interested. I know yes. what to say. Brit- uh, you were all, saying you'd like through- to get a bit more into England, right? Yeah, so, so Crip Plate, is, I, am, I am in no rush to, to do crazy, stupid things. I've lost Crip Plate twice um, because of other people um, going bankrupt and, and, and losing everything. That, that still affects me today. Um, so one day at a time, mm-hmm. I get up in the morning. Yeah, as as a as a um, you know as as an entrepreneur, I'm also an abstract painter, so I paint and all that. So I wake up and I have my my blank canvas in front of me. I have my agenda, but overall, it's going forward. Um, Facebook, Instagram. I know everyone's into Instagram. But Instagram sucks. You can't really interact that well. You can't send this shit. Yeah, it's only ten pitches, unlimited to words. You know, you know what? A few you know, letters and shit. Facebook, Mike Rodriguez on Facebook, and a lot of you guys, we're all friends, we haven't lost friendships mm-hmm. there, or Cripplate, or 401 Made, mm-hmm. um, all one word on Facebook. Right on. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this new chapter, not only in my life, but in BMX and Cripplate and 401 Made, but, uh, but more, uh, more, more importantly, I am proud that I have this wonderful lady in my, li- in my, in my, in my life right now, Lisa Pacifico, who's, who's an awesome dynamite lady who's been very grounding you know, for me and, and, and all that there. But most importantly, to see my three boys mm-hmm. as young men, age 25 and 21, and doing what they're doing as young individual men and the confidence they have in what they're doing, I can't be more proud as a dad, and that's all I care about. So one day at a time, and um, Crip Plate is not going anywhere ever again, and uh, I'm looking forward to working with all of you. Yeah, like I say, I want to last last. Touch again, once again, the British BMX Hall of Fame. You've made plates for us. We're taking them over there next week. And uh, we're going to raffle some off. We're going to give some away. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you've already talked about some future things we can do. Yes. So uh, looking forward to it. Thanks for your support, Mike. And, uh, yeah, look forward to watching the journey. And, Slow uh, but sure. And, and last off, you're, you're going from here now to go meet Charles Townsend. Yeah, up so, north, right? so which, yeah. Is really, which is really cool. The reason why I'm even here, because... Yeah. For 10 years, I've been talking to Dale about doing a podcast. Mm. No, you have to come to Southern California. You right. have to come here. Right. Like, I have to do it live yeah. and uh, you know, in person. And um, which is really cool is that my, um, my girlfriend, Lisa, has her first newborn son, grandson um, who was born in Gilroy. So we're here for a week in Northern California. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to Chuck. We're mm. going to meet halfway, an hour and a half distance. And on Sunday, we're going to have dinner together. And um, I think on the way on the plane here, um, I reached out to Al Bag of Donuts, and um, and maybe we can do the also the Garcia brothers since they live in Gilroy, yes, they do, right yes. where I'm staying. Yeah, cool. So so there's another mini BMX reunion, but most of all, it took ten years for you and I to sit down. I know, I know, and, uh, and to talk, and I'm so grateful. For this yeah, and we'll do it again, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, when you see Townsend, give him an elbow from yes. me. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and, uh, and one other thing, you know, and I'm sure you know people want to know about Savage and all the stories, and that's a whole other podcast. You know, with Mike Savage and, and you know even Curtis and you know, whoever. The same with everybody. But, I say you don't have to all get it out in one podcast. Yeah, the stories continue because you know? the travel yeah. stories with Mike Savage and I. Because mm-hmm. now anyone that's in BMX, it's a different Mike Savage. He's a he's a he's a blooming flower. Mm-hmm. He's announcing races. He's riding racing and announcing. He's he talks up a storm. He's you know, gift of the gab. But back in the eighties, if you knew Mike Savage, he talked to nobody. He looked at his feet. He just went out there and kicked ass racing. And, and all there, but the, the fun times we had with Mr. Awkward and me, Mr. Talkative, you know, that was a great team. Right on, Mike. Thanks.